Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join KumiteCoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Imagine in the old karate days, well, I can remember fighting really world-class people and all I had was Gyaku and Kizamizuki, you know? I had very little kicks. I had a great front kick back in the day great front kick a front kick that i always say the same story all the time that i'd have a front kick that was like a drunken father you come see it coming home with blood on it you know uh but you wouldn't know where it had been you know it would go out independently you know it would go out on its own bend people in half and then come back and i just go mm. and it had no thought you know yeah no thought at all just bash you know um, uh, but and I had a lead roundhouse kick, and very rarely I had a rear roundhouse kick because my hips were tight. You know, I had tight hips, even though I stretched loads. Um, and so the only time I ever used the right round kick was I kicked Roy Stanhope, who was like in the England team back then. I kicked him in the head for Ippon uh, at Crystal. Palace nice. with my right leg and I went wow where did that come from because I never kicked with that leg you know yeah. uh, I was always left leg so you think I had four tools four that, that's all I had really yeah but you can fight everyone with with, with those Tiki Terry O'Neill and actually the less tools you had the better you fought you know because why ter- Terry might be scudding round kicks and and hook kicks over your head, you know, which hopefully didn't hit you in the head, you know, <laughs> you just go in and go, Gyaku, you know, or Kazami, you know, like, you know, so it was, uh, so, so JKD should be like that, you know, so what we're doing on a Tuesday now is we just do the box pattern and, and we could go further and do Guntings and da 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 and this and that and uh, you can go the educati, sunketi, you know all this stuff. And I said you can't do this yet, so you can't do this, so you own it, you know, and yeah. so you can make it <clears throat> proactive, reactive, and now I can go to long distance. So we just do really, really so simple, so so simple yet so deep. Because you think, oh, it's a really simple, but it's not. So that's the the great thing about karate. It's got that timing and distance thing, haven't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, karate on the whole is all about timing and distance. You know, if you looked at, you go all the way back to about 1969, you see uh, Oishi, Ida, and they just, no, no. No, no, come a bit deeper. Oh, oh bub, bub, thank you. You know, all up, and they're in. You know, so it's just about timing and distance. 
Yeah. And they beat everyone. Yeah. Those two are, I had a, a, an eight mil tape or, or uh, not even eight mil. What is it? A, whatever it's like a, not video, before video, you know, it was almost like the cards that you run through like that. We were that back in the day, dark ages. I had a, a projector with a thing. And if you kept it on, it burn, burn the film. So you'd have holes in the film, yeah? Um, or if you got stuck, you'd have holes in the film. And I had a film of the 1969 All Japan Championships. Nice. And I just watched Ida and Oishi beat everyone. You know, I wish he just did uh, steps in and Kazami, you know, yeah. basically Oiz, Oizuki, yeah, 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 just stepping up, you know, just no, 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 yeah, good, right, yeah, and and with a step as well. And then Ishi, uh, Ida was even better, he'd just have his hands open, low, right down on, on, on his legs, just tempting him, keep my stomach. Kick my stomach, and as they kicked his stomach, he just turned his hips. Kick would go past, and he giacu him, yeah. <laughs> and there was a guy from Wasada University who anyone who kicked him, he grabbed the leg, step in, and inside sweep him, yeah, nice. and take him back the, the direction they were going, which is a technique I nicked from there, and I used, and I taught everywhere, yeah. Um, because it just worked, you know. You saw these guys are really fast, and and they're doing it. So JJD is still that. It's just that we've got this thing now about um, <laughs> lists. Because when I started Duke and Do back with Dan, we didn't have any lists. You know, we didn't have any lists. The, the lists and part of me still would like the list, you know, because there's that, oh, you don't have the list. Yeah. But I remember doing it with, uh, you know, there's that thing, isn't it? Oh, really, you've you've got the last year's Lexus. Oh, really? You know, and you go, well, if that's your bag, then you, you're, you're just a wanker anyway, aren't you? You know, so why am I even, even bothering talking to you. you don't understand anything yeah um but um so we, we we didn't have any lists it was here's some techniques and then we'd have a bit and a bit and then we'd have to work out how to fit those bits and we tested everything you know so i say well just bash me oh that doesn't work so there you you have to find out where it did work so you develop the art that's you didn't you yeah. So that's why I think JKD has lost it now. I remember training with uh, Corey, who was one of your yeah, Corey, your, yeah. your Black peers Black. at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, Corey with the abs of steel. You know, yeah. remember he had those abs that were like dun 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, oh, "I I haven't been training." And he goes, "Yeah," um, and he said to me, well, how comes you're beating me up all the time? 
I said, well, you've got two bags of technique that you're, you're holding, like one here and one here, that whenever you want to do anything, you have to look in the bag to see what the next technique is. And I'm just being me. You know, I'm just hitting you, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, yeah, but I want to learn all this stuff. Yeah, but 90% of it is nonsense. You know, it's like, I've done this, I've done this. Now I want to know what happens in 10 years time, you know, or further up the track. Yeah. And there was only now, wasn't it? So what we're doing with the 4D stuff that I'm doing is, uh, so 4D, as you know, means the four dimensions of stand-up, which are striking, clinch, weapons, group attack. So you might say, oh, it's it's Ibon Shogu. It's it's just me and him. It's a duel, you know? Yeah. And then some bloke comes in and hits you in the head, and you go, oh, it's not Ibon Shogu any longer. It's <laughs> multiple opponents. Or someone comes in and grabs you and goes, Terry, Terry, I love you. Kill him, you know? Uh, <laughs> and then you're into like, wow, what's happening now? So now you've got restricted mobility. So all those things happen in stand-up, don't they? You know? Or someone pulls a knife, or someone—I I had loads of fights growing up, and they were always like that, you know. So we were training, and I said to him, "Yeah, but you're carrying two bags of technique. I'm not carrying anything." So I think that's where you need to come back to. That's why you need to come back and do some training instead of like hanging out there in Abingdon and just like. <laughs> Learning nothing. <laughs> oh, that's epic. I have to leave all of that in. <laughs> Do it away with words. Leave it all in. It's, it's, can... in. it's in. It's in, guys. This is the Kumite Coach podcast. Oh, but do you know what? Do you know what I mean? You... And we have. But it is about that, though, isn't it? It's about Kumite. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this is the Kumite Coach Podcast. We have a very special guest today. He, he's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, Guru Bob Breen. He's been in martial arts for over 50 years. He is captain the national team in karate. He's the captain of the national team. 54 years. 54 years. <laughs> he's uh, captain of the national team in Eskrima. 54 which is years. Fighting. Um, he's a full instructor in Jeet Kune Do and Kali under Dan in Asanto and is known as the godfather of JKD in Europe. He's also the founder of a unique combat system called 4D. Um, we'll be getting into that later on. Uh, you'll have heard some amazing stories as you joined in. But I just want to introduce this man who gave me my black belt in Jeet Kune Do. He's taught me so much about martial arts and life in general. Um, I love him to bits, and it's a real honor and pleasure to have him on the show today. So welcome, uh, Bob. Great to have you here. So we're going to start. It's a a pleasure. I didn't realize when I was talking then earlier that we weren't on, so I'll just repeat all of that. (laughs) That was was gold dust. Um, But what what we didn't start with was how how your story began in the martial arts. So let, let's go right back there and, and start us off with how you got involved. Okay. okay. Um, well, I'm, 
I'm currently doing my autobiography and uh, and I wanted to, I thought, well, what were the drivers that got me to where I am? Mm. And the, the, the journey that I've had, blessed though it is. Um, and I think I had my first fight at the age of five with a guy called, a boy called David who just started to punch me in the head like we were playing in the street. And then obviously he had brothers. I didn't have brothers, I had sisters. Um, and I was going, what's this? I remember thinking, what is this? You know, you know that strange out of body thing that you get when you're, um, you're in a fight where you're in the fight, fighting hard. And at the same time, you're disembodied and you're watching it all and going, oh, I've just got punched in the mouth. Oh, you know, and there's got two of you in there, isn't there? You know, particularly if, if you get into that void thing. So I thought, I need to understand this. I can remember just thinking then, well, what's this all about? And then obviously going on through school, I had lots of fights and uh, got the reputation of being the best fighter in the school. Yeah, but all of that's just, uh, you know, that's just luck, you know. Um, and, um, but all the time I was thinking, how does this work? And then, then one fight I had with uh, a guy called Andy Kokinos, who was a boxer, he'd done a bit of boxing. I hadn't done anything. And I didn't have a method. It wasn't that I was scared. I was pretty scared, but because he was, he, you know, he, he was a dude. Uh, but I was fighting, I was thinking, what, I'm doing okay here. I'm doing better than I thought I would against someone who was like um, a major dude, but I don't have a method, yeah? And we, we dabbled with going to the boxing club, but everyone who came back from there had a, a broken nose. So we went, no, that's not clever. And then my friend at school said, uh, I do karate and I'm an AVQ2. And I thought, what's an AVQ2? And so he said, no, an eighth Q second degree, you know, pulse. So we went to the YMCA and I, I, I'm saw from my first time uh, Tatsuo Suzuki and, and he was just amazing um, there's some old film out of him now doing uh, doing kata and you can see he's incredibly quick yeah. and I thought wow what is that I need to do that so I started training with him that was very much the school of hard knocks. He was an old school karate teacher. Wrong, no power, you know, give you a slap all the time, kick you in the shins. Uh, then the other teachers that he had as well, um, Hayakawa, Shimitsu, uh, etc. you know, uh, Shimitsu, Fuji, um, Maida, uh, th th they were great. They were all like either all Japan champions or top top people, you know. Yeah. And I just got in, in, 
bewitched really and um lots of my friends they were having like gang fights lots of knives involved you know guns maybe on on the periphery um one of my friends worked in a, a gun shop in piccadilly and just used to nick guns out of the the safe in the evening bring them home shoot up the high street and then take them back the next day so yeah it's just just madness to have car chases shooting at the engine and things like that yeah um so there was loads of that let's come and go there and have a fight with them gang fights big big fights yeah and people would get cut up and but I got into this and then I remember they said to me, do you want to come up? We're going to sort out somebody or other. And I went, no, I'm doing my green belt now. And for me, that was like the parting, the parting of the ways. Yeah. You know? yeah. They went that way. I still stayed, stayed around, but I was off on, on this tangent, you know? Yeah. Because to get my psychic proper, it took me a, a year. I was doing it all the time at home, psychic, psychic holdouts, getting the ankle down, you know. So by the end, I had a really good psychic. Um, and I just got bewitched. And then later on, when I was about 17, 18, I got hit over the head by my best friend with a, a pint of Woodbridge Pale Ale because uh, he didn't want to fight me because he was he was bigger than I was but he wanted to use something on me yeah quite rightly probably because I was dancing too close with his girlfriend and his wife to be probably but um <laughs> you know you're 18 aren't you you've got hormones going around you know and she seemed quite keen at the time um uh so I did that and that again parted away so by that time I was just into this you know and so I did my black belt at the age of seven uh 20 yeah 1970 and in now I look back really arrogant way I opened my own school at the age of 20 wow. and I, I was I think as far as I knew I was the only white Englishman who had a school. Yeah, maybe, maybe Tiki opened his uh, then or a bit later, but as far as I knew, there wasn't anyone. I think yeah. maybe Peter Spanton had had one going, but it was so rare because it was Japanese teachers only. Yeah. And so and so I did that. I opened the school, had half a dozen and then 12 and then 14 and then 20. Not great numbers but we were in a freezing cold hall uh dirty um but it was great it was it was hard training hard hard training you know cold cold wash afterwards in the sink uh no heating so cold in the winter you know um but it was great and i was i was 20 you know you can do anything when you're 20 so push-ups you know madness really we we do things like why don't you fire ball bearings at me while i run up the hall to, to kill you you know <laughs> uh with a with, you know, with a catapult you know and things 
or fighting Terry Barnett, who was Terry back then, was a very uh, he was a very gentle as he is even now a gentle soul and and quite insecure growing up and uh, he come to me because my girlfriend was his cousin uh, my girlfriend Christine who's now Dame Christine so there you go from you know, it's a strange journey you know um, uh, so he came and then we do things i'll put him on the table and we had an old blue table with full mic on it and it it, it went like that it the, the legs were there. i said okay let's get on there and spar on there and he's going oh but this kid could fall apart in it yeah it could fall apart any moment isn't that exciting so we do things like that it was mad you know um it was just whatever was challenging you know so we got into grappling back then uh i just got judo books read all the judo books and just just applied it, yeah. You know? Yeah. Got on the ground, said, "Try and hit me." You know, okay, that doesn't work. Okay, what about if I come here? I've got an armbar here. So my grappling was self-taught, but but did did fairly well, really. You mm. know, uh, against quite good people, quite yeah. big people. You know, there's a uh, I think there was a thing on Facebook the other day. Phil Gabauer and there's a, a photo of Phil and I. Phil's quite big, and he was a farmer back then. And so to grapple him was like you had to have yeah you, you had to have yeah your case of has had to be really good you know and really heavy you know and even then he'd be trying to punch you in the face and you know it was great and it was on a hard floor as well. We didn't do it on on mats you know yeah. none of that stuff. Yeah. It was on a wooden floor. Yeah, so it was it was great. Yeah, and then I just went that did all the tournaments, uh, kept in karate, went to world championships, captain an England team or two, um, fought the Japanese and beat them. Um, so it was it was great, and I hung around with great people. You know, like. Terry O'Neill, Tiggy Donovan, you know, uh, Dickie Wu, fought loads of them, you know, uh, Peter Dennis, you know, all of that. Uh, and in the process, trained up loads of great people. Yeah, yeah. And was it, um, did you actually premeditate getting into martial arts as a career, or was it just something you just got into and it just seemed to self-perpetuate for no, you? No, no. Mm, not at all I hated the idea of being a teacher yeah. uh, because back then if you were a fighter there were all the guys in blazers as there are even even now you know I'd seen, I can't remember the guy's name he's, he's He's quite famous, or he was. So he's probably. Um, he always had a blazer on, and he was always like an organizer. He was never like out with his gear on. He always had his grey trousers and his black blazer and the badge on the, you know. 
and yeah. it was always fun. And uh, and I hated him <laughs> because he was just uh, he he was a, a paper tiger. Yeah, he was one of those people who's going to be in charge of you, but has done nothing. You know, it's yeah. hard to have people in charge of you um, mm -hmm. walk the walk, and then have gone on to some senior role but people who haven't done anything i just hated him uh, and so i don't want to be him so I, I wasn't keen to teach i just was back then you imagine i was 20 20 21 20 yeah i was 19 actually when i started yeah. teaching so i just wanted to fight people you know it was all about fighting uh um, and bill gibbs and i were probably the best in our school at, at, at that time um, and I was at Brown Belt and they said would you go and teach in Hatfield and I went oh no I don't want to teach I just want to like they said look only for tonight because the Japanese instructor's ill you just have to go up there it's just one night only so I went oh, okay so I went up there taught well got my my 20 pounds it was 20 quid, which is, you think about it, it's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, you th imagine that that's 50 years ago. That's, that's a, a lot, lot, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think I walked out either 14 or 20 quid. You know, it was a, a yeah. week's money, but I wasn't really into it. And uh, anyway, I had a good time. They had a good time. I was very like, no, who's been teaching you this? Let's do it properly. No, that's not good enough, da, da, da. And, and then the next week they asked me to do it again. And I went, no, I don't really. They said, look, just do it. And I went and they loved it. The class loved it. They said, you're much better than the Japanese teacher that we have. I went, oh, thank you. And they loved it. They just loved it. They phoned me up and everything and said, look, we just love you, how you teach. And then I went and taught in Stevenage for a club there. And again, I was a reluctant person. And, and I went there and then I looked at them and I went, well, you're just shit, aren't you? I just said, excuse my language. I just said, you're just crap. You're green belts, but you're not a proper green belt. You're, you know, this isn't green belt level. Green belt level's up here, you know? Uh, and I said, look, I'll help you because I'm only here for this evening. But look, you need to do this, you need to do that. You need to, are you doing your training at home? Are you doing your push-ups? So, you know, all of that. Yeah. And they, and I went to my school that I'd opened then. And they came down two weeks later and the deputation said, we've sacked all our other teachers. We just want you. Would you come and teach us? So I went, oh, okay then. And so therefore I taught in London and Stevenage for 20 years. Wow. Wow. You know, and it was, it was great. So yeah, but that was it. And obviously uh, along the way, other people would come and train. So Ralph Jones, uh, I was black belt and Ralph was a brown belt. And Ralph said, would you come over and teach at our school at London Bridge that we've got, the, the group that we had there? So I went there, became yeah. very tight with them, 
and then Ralph was like then part of my journey for um, in in through Jukundo. He was like my, my my training partner. We'd talk on the phone every day about it. You know, uh, yeah. And so I did karate, but I was I was getting bored with the limitations of it because you got to see that much like this time with like, like covid it, it's um it's an epoch changing t -t 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 time isn't it yeah yeah you know things are changing you know yeah. zoom this that we're, we're doing now uh digital stuff and it was the same thing what was siloed before so this is the chinese community they'd only teach the chinese this is the japanese community they only deal with the japanese even in english combat sports if you did boxing you were like that you you weren't allowed to look at anything else that was, mm. that's what you did yeah yeah you're a boxer you know? yeah and if you did judo you only did judo it's very purist no no interaction and i can remember doing a display at um a school where we broke all the bricks and bricks in the wood and, and all that finger jabbing and elbowing and, and stuff like that and bab 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 and, and doing four four people, which was great, you know, really good because we could all kick really hard and punch really hard. Yeah. Um, and there was a judo guy down and I looked at him, I thought, wow, that's good. And at the same time I went, that's good. Back to this, you know, I can remember the thought in my head going, that's really good, he'd kill you, and then go, no, but I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. And then just within a year or so, that has sort of broken, you know, and, was and people were thinking of cross-training, but no one was, but the world had opened up. So, and then I did a film, which is on YouTube, called The Big Zapper. Yeah. I think that was probably 73, 74, or something like that. Um, and my, f f well, yeah, my friend now, but the, the other guy on there was J J Joseph Cheng. And Joseph Cheng was a, a Wing Chun guy. So we spent, I don't know, two months in, in, in country houses with nothing to do, just waiting for our, our time to be in the shop, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we get, got paid and so we just trained all the time just beat each other up uh and it was great and he'd teach me some wing chun and i'd teach him some karate then we just spar and we just talk about it all the time so it was changing you know and mm. boxing we bought in i always bought in other people uh yeah. i think one of the biggest influences when i first opened was we had a guy called pat daly came and pat daly was a, a white belt Comes a white belt, very sort of oh hello. Very sort of like well-bred. Uh, he was a, a script writer and he worked for the Radio Times printing, which was like a Radio Times you don't have anymore, but it was like a, a TV paper. So yes. it would tell you every program that was on, was articles and stuff like that. And um and he was just very good. He was very assiduous. He'd train all night because he was in the print. So he'd, he'd train all night. He said, oh, I did a thousand of those last night. It was wonderful. 
thousand head kicks. <laughs> Wonderful. I really like, you know, so he was just a complete nutcase. Uh, but his dad had been British and Empire champion. His brother had been ABA champion. He'd been an ABA finalist. Yeah. He was also Kenshiro Abbey's top judo, one of Kenshiro Abbey's top five judo people in England. Wow. So he was great. He, he'd, you'd spar with him. I remember once kicking him straight in, in the groin, kicked him in the balls to keep him off me. You know, and he just giggled and went <laughs> like that and slapped me around the head. And I remember thinking, yeah, yeah. So he was great. So we'd take him and uh, we, we got competitions. We had this other guy called uh, Crazy Bob, you know, and Crazy Bob had just been let out on day release from the Marsden or the Morsley Hospital, you know. Uh, because he was he was having some issues, you know, uh, and so he was on something like that Prozac, whatever they had. There. But he was a lovely guy, and we just unleashed them. You know, there'd be like me, Jeffrey Britton, maybe maybe Ralph or something like that, fighting as like the pillars of the team, and in between we'd have Pat and Mad Bob, you know, and we go go, and they'd just be like. Yes, <laughs> just just and kill people. It was uh, such fun, really. Yeah, um, <laughs> they didn't know what was hitting. Okay, oh, look, that the team's only got two black belts in it, and uh, and everyone else is a white belt. But they were like the killer elite. Yeah, they were. It was <laughs> yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great and great with days, really. And so. But I was moving on, you know, mm. from that. Yeah, and we're, we're competition. boxing. Was competition karate back then generally like uh, an open event? You could you could kind of find different styles competing on the on that circuit, or was it was it just you guys that were bringing in the mix? Yeah, not not at first, not at first, and then. Um, then it started to open up. Then you got the Kung Fu guys came in. I yeah. remember Tyrone White being in tears in the changing room because he got beaten by a Kung Fu guy who had like pantalon pants on, you know, yellow pants on, you know? Yeah. And he was going, that's just not karate. But the guy kicked him in the head. So it, it was, you know, it was all, you know, all good really. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, and it was changing. And obviously, I've been to Japan, so I'd come back from Japan and and fought. But it was it was about that time. I, I can't remember the exact chronology of it, but from mid seventies onwards, it was it was starting to like really open up. But very few people were doing what we were doing. We were doing Jeet Kune Do before we'd even heard of it. Yeah, we were doing like knives. A bit of bow stuff, you know, just that idea of like, how do we handle that if that comes? How do we handle that, you know? Uh, knife stuff, grappling, we, we did lots of that. And then all, all the karate guys, the purists, would go, oh, but I'm going to get my gi dirty on the floor. And we'd go, well, you know, who, who cares, you know? So, in some ways, I was a Jeet Kune Do person, and before I'd even heard of Bruce. And then 
I'm not sure where early 70s I was going to Chinatown to watch Bruce Lee films late at night. And me and maybe maybe there was another person in the audience who was a, a white guy, but everyone else was Chinese, yeah? yeah. 12 o'clock at night after after everything had closed, they we'd all go and watch like kung fu films, yeah. Uh, and Bruce came out, the big boss, I mean it was 70. 72 73 and i remember thinking oh wow yeah that's that was just awe inspiring and um and then and then i heard about bruce lee articles appeared in uh, in black belt about bruce lee's small phasic bent knee stance and i went well that's that just our stance that we normally use because bruce i mean Love him to bits, but he could be slightly verbose, you know. Yeah. In 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 the same way that people who aren't from England, their English is more English than than English people. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like my my my, my wife's family is Ang Anglo Indian. Their English is much better than our English. Yeah. In that they're they because they're, they're they're playing the English of yeah of ages before almost like a, a Victorian English. Yeah. So his is a bit like that small phase bent knee stance, and I thought, yeah, okay. Um, but I was interested, and then the books by Dan Santo came out, and I went, oh, this is very interesting, and then I was hooked. Then, yeah. Yeah. So, were you running your the karate competitions to just kind of test stuff out and learn from that, and then your peers were kind of your help, like guide you along that earlier part of your journey? Young. We were just young guys who wanted to fight, really, mm. uh, and uh, and that's what you did. You know, you were young because it's hard to think of it now. Now I'm seventy one. But to remember what I was like when I was 20, you know, um, you wanted to find out where the, the boundaries were, but not, but not get beaten up. A, a, a weird, like, fear and confidence mixed, you know, where you go, well, I, I might go to a competition, but they said, well, you go to this competition where you could go bare, bare knuckle fighting. You go, no, I don't think I do that. But I'll do this type of bare knuckle fighting because it's a bit more organised, you know. Yeah. Uh, and still, and it wasn't as uh, say if you went like the real bare bare knuckle stuff, it was nastier, you know. Yeah. And the the karate was more gentlemanly. You still get you still could lose all your teeth or end up with one ball, you know. Uh, because the other one had been just like destroyed by a front kick, you know. Because uh, we had no protection back then in the early days, nothing. It was like bare fist, and then then they gave you like a piece of sponge that you put over your hand here, just yeah. over the knuckles that the Japanese used, which was quite good actually, because you could control. But if if you didn't, you'd feel all all of the all of the hand would go right through this bit of, bit of sponge, yeah? yeah. Uh, and then 74, I think, safety chop came out because I was, 
I was teaching a guy called Jeffrey Roth. And Jeffrey Roth had come to King's Cross where I was teaching. Uh, and um, I think I was the first person to meet him. Uh, and he came and he said, can I have private lessons? So I said, yeah, 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 of course you can. So I started teaching him privately. And, and he then went on, and I used to go to his house in um, Maidenhead. Okay, because he, you know, he was a wealthy guy. He was a, a businessman, just a, a businessman. Um, and within a, about two or three weeks, he said, "Who, who makes these?" And we said, "Oh, we get them from a Japanese man in in South Kensington. They're Tokaido suits. They're fifty quid. They were vastly expensive. Or I, I can't remember how much they were. They might have been two pound twelve and sixpence. Who's to know?" Right? Um, but they were vastly expensive. Yeah. And he said, if I could get you some of those equivalent quality for half that price, you would buy them. We went, yeah, uh, of course. So he, that was his first thing. That's what he did. He got these suits made. Uh, and he was the first. And then I was with him in the car and, and we were reading a, uh, uh, a magazine called Karate and Oriental Arts. And it had lots about Ikebana, about Tai Chi, about, you know, the tea ceremony. It was it was Karate and Oriental Arts. And it, it had a slight emphasis because it was Paul, Paul Crompton's magazine. And Paul's like a very widely interesting cultural guy. Lovely man. Um, and I wasn't interested in that. I said, we need something that's more to do with the combat arts. Yeah. So two weeks later, we came in with the, the banner for combat. So that was how we got into that, you know, and uh, and then I was in the first issue of that. You know, I was going to be on the cover, then I was supplanted by some guy called Bruce Lee. <laughs> you know, timing, eh? Yeah, <laughs> speed is good, but time, time, time is better. Yeah, uh, and, and Bruce then was was the inspiration because um, by that time, by that time, Enter the Dragon was out. You know, uh, and that just changed everything. Yeah, and um, then I got Dan over in nineteen. 79. Um, so I just wrote to him in LA, as I do with almost anyone I'm interested in. I just phone them up. So all those people out there are going, oh, I'd like to do that, but I don't know who to, I just phone them up. If I wanted to do piano with Herbie Hancock, yeah, I would just phone him up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, my chances of getting to Herbie Hancock are, are very low. The majority of people don't even know who Herbie Hancock, but anyone, you know, Carlos Santana, I just drop him a letter. And sometimes you get an answer, but sometimes, sometimes you don't. But so I wrote to Dan, I didn't get an answer for two years. <laughs> so I went, okay. And then I got a phone call from Norman Boreen saying, yeah, 
we're going to come over, we're going to give you a seminar, we're doing displays at the Albert Hall or something like that. Uh, yeah. And um, we, uh, or the Empire Pool, Wembley, and we, we want to come and do a s seminar for you. So I set up the first one, which was in 1979. And that was with Dan and Jeffy Marder. Nice. And as you probably know, Jeffy Marder did all the Born Identity films. Yeah. He did all the fight yeah. scenes and all of that. He taught, um, both him and Dan taught um, Denzel for the Book of Eli, which is, a, which is an excellent film. Yeah, that's good. You know, the thing where he brings the sword, he's the blind. He's blind, isn't he? But he, he's got all the all the sword skills, yeah. and uh, they taught him. So they came that first evening, and that was it. I almost like I had with the gang thing where I went, no, gone, changed. Yeah, that was the same. I was I was into this karate, boxing, judo mix, but yeah. they were still in pots. Yeah, they were like that. You know, it was like now I'm doing my judo pot. Now I'm doing my. They they weren't integrated. Uh, even though I was, I was, I was handy, you know, I was, I was good. Um, not the best, but I was handy. And I was the only person that I knew of doing that, having pots. Most people just have one pot, you know? Mm. Uh, and, um, and then I saw Dan that night, Dan and Jeff, and they just went, Pot to pot to pot to pot to pot, mix, mix. They threw everything out on the floor and just mixed it all. You know, knives, grappling, arm bars, choking, punching, double stick, single stick, went from everything to everywhere. And I just went, wow, okay, that's what I've been dreaming of, yeah? Because yeah. it was almost like a dream, you know, that I'd had, yeah? Yeah. And it was, lots of that was based, as I keep saying on interviews, on the books by Peter O'Donnell, the Modesty Blaze books, which came out, Sabretooth, Modesty Blaze, A Taste for Death. And they were a bit 60s, like in the, the baddies are bad, you know, the baddies are darkly bad and yeah. they're a bit over the top bad, yeah. Um, but they, they come from that era. but what that had was it had this blending this of having no rules not being bound by strictures you know you know when when judo now i remember doing judo and they said and i did something and they went oh you're not allowed to, to do that anymore and i went why not and they said well people get injured <laughs> and i went yeah, but it's a martial art, you know. And then, uh, and then, say, I oh, know you, you, you're not allowed to do that anymore either. And that, and that, that, and now it's got even worse. There's so much that yeah, you loads. can't do. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> they're taking loads of it, and quite rightly, really, because they're looking after people's safety, aren't they? And for children, they're trying to make it more of like a a thing, but we were in our 20s and we wanted something that worked on the streets so 
we wanted all the bad stuff in. We go, go and choke me out. So we do like choking competitions, you know, uh, tying belts around your neck and seeing how long you could last, you know, <laughs> mad things, you know. Uh, and, and always looking for how you could thumb the person in the eye and elbow them, smash their head on the floor, you know, how you could break, break the rules. And then when I saw Dan, I went, oh, that's it. That's, but it was poetic as well. And I think, I think the poetry is really important. Yeah. In that, while, whilst function is, is, is great, the guys who only want real realism, they just want to like their skill level isn't good because they they they're not pursuing art. Also, I think Chris Howter puts it uh, best where he says, uh, "Study art, practice sport, think street." So his his art is always street based, even though it's jujitsu. So. But he's practicing art, you know, yeah. and, and that's how I see it. it it's an art, I, I, something you can do forever because it's artistic, yeah, and creative. But also, you've got to have that functional thing there; otherwise, it loses its raison d'être. Right? In that, in that, you're you then got these mad techniques that you can't do under any any pressure at all. Yeah, you know. They're more like if you can go if I can mix my if I can lace my fingers that way I should be able to lace my fingers this way and I, I should be able to, you know every permutation and you go why so I think that's what 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 Bruce had in the original Jeet Kune Do was why well, why am I doing this why don't I do what's easiest what's simplest yeah so my 4D stuff which as I said before is four dimensions of stand-up but although it applies on the ground to totally as well all the principles apply on the ground and we sort of well we were starting to study that post this you know pre pre covid yeah getting james and matt and i to getting together and looking at it it's like a grappling as a principle based thing not not a, a, a technique-based thing, because that's the s same thing there, isn't it? Where yeah. you, if you look at the Mendez brothers, who are marvelous, you go, okay, there's 75 ways to get into Oma Plata there, isn't it? You know, uh, and you think, yeah, for them that's great, but I just want one that works, you know, first. So, so. Four dimensions to go back to that are striking, clinching, weapons, yeah. and group yeah. attack. And uh, that any fight you have can be any of those. Yeah. Because you don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, if you're on the street or you're a street fight, it could be weapons, it could be group attack. So why not train all of that all the time? So even if I'm doing single combat, I'm thinking mm, mm, multiple opponents. You know, yeah. I'm training it as if it's a knife, so it could stab me. So, and then it's got to be simple, uh, but deep. So you can have like a really simple concept, like the box. Suppose though you're doing stick and you've got the box this side, that side, and you go, well, 
my box is big, it can be broken. But if my box is really small and I move me at the back, you know, so instead of like, this isn't changing, but I've moved. Yeah. Then I, I, the, the hole is tiny. Yeah. You know, I've killed your, your stuff. And at the same time, I'm hitting you. You know, so I'm hitting you all the time. I'm hitting you just hitting like this. So this is happening all the time, yeah? And not many, but it's almost like, yeah, I'm giving a blessing, a stick blessing. And the same thing on the ground. You've got to be, or, or standing up, you've got to be simple, yeah? Um, but then it's incredibly deep because you now I can do it really close and really long. I can do it off to the left, off to the right. So just with four dimensions like that, four directions, thousands of permutations because it changes whether I use this hand or that hand uh, but what's nice is which you'll understand because you 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 play instruments so are you still playing yeah still play a bit yeah play are you still playing yeah yeah, yeah. Not, as, not as much as I did with the always difficult climbing the yeah yeah I'm still climbing the hill and uh, yeah I love it. So I've got, I've got my my piano. I've now got a Nord piano four. I just bought, and I've got a flute, obviously because I, I I play the flute a bit, and I've got a proper piano, and I've got a clarinet, a saxophone, which I haven't played yet really that that much, but I'm hungry for all of it. But then again, just like this, if you understand one, you can understand all of it. Yeah. If you, you know, you need to understand music, don't you? Yeah. That's the thing. Um, anyway, so much like, much like music, lots of the stuff I did with karate and Jeet Kune Do was classical. And particularly with the Penjack Silla. They're going to come in like this. You're going to do this, you know? And there's five things you can do here. This is one. This is two, this is three, you know? Yeah. And you go, yeah, okay. Now do that while I'm punching you in the head. And maybe I'm not punching the head, maybe I'm kicking you in the leg. Yeah. So when I looked at it, I said, well, that doesn't work. It doesn't function. It's not fit for use. So therefore we said, well, how do I make things fit for use? So you've got to study the classical because that gives you like um, a repertoire to play with. Yeah. And then what we did was we stepped back on that and went, what's the root of that? Just the root. So that might be the box, what we call the box, but it could be pari-pari, you know, uh, or, or, or evasion, you know, or stop hitting. And so, okay, that's the root. Let's just train the root and then give you some techniques to, to, to start with and then say, okay, now just improvise. So you just, so you learn to do jazz, you know? And at first it's a bit like, eh, eh, it isn't good, but then you start to get better because then you suddenly realize, oh, if I move me, I don't need a lot, you know? So therefore I'm doing jazz and, and classical in that I'm doing the jazz to test it what I've got, the roots. Because then I see the stuff. I go, oh, there's a half beat there. But I didn't see it before. Oh, no, the half beat's not there this time. Yeah? Yeah. And so, therefore, 
everything you get is then situational and contextual you know it's 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 alive yeah and because i've got the roots i can add anything to the roots because the roots are dependent on what happens next so it's almost like the covid thing again well why is never a plan well you can't have a plan can you? you you've got the only plan you can have is the plan of no plan where you go i'm going forward i'm attacking i'm gonna kill you you know or i'm gonna I'm going to, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. And therefore I can go backwards with that plan. I can go forwards with that plan. You know, and I'm adaptable. Yeah. Um, and you can't have anything above a binary, a binary choice. So big thing in 4D, everything's a binary choice. Yeah. So I don't go, Oh, I'm going to go there and go there. And if you go there, I'm going to come here and do that. And then I'm going to do a lock sale, pack sale, da da, jail sale. And then I'm going to talk sale you. I go, I'm going to do a pack sale. Then, depending on what you do, I'm either going to do A or B. That's it. Just A or B. Yeah. I'm either going to go pack sale, cross it, cross, or pack sale, lock sale, yeah. And you tell me what, what's going to happen. And I'm not bothered because I'm going to hit you. Yeah. And we just inculcate that in people. Go, no, no. And then we say, let's go back even a step further and go, make the pack sell so I can't counter it. So, because everyone says, oh, yeah, I'm going to do pack sell, lock sell, gua choy. Uh, I'm going to gum sell. I'm going to come. I'm going to do body tackle. And then they go, to do the pack sale and you go bam no you're not because it's all predicated on a, a lie isn't it yeah so first things first you know i remember training with james evans nicole who you've you played around with a bit i think have you have you you trained with james much i think i've trained a little bit with him not not extensively but yeah are you there yeah yeah, but he's a beast, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I was with him, and he was at that time he was cage rage world champion, I think. Yeah. So an MMA world champion, and we're sparring, Bob, Bob, and I went pack sal, and he went, "You're you're pack in me." I went, "Yep," and I said, "And again, ba ba ba," and he went, "Bugger." You, your packs are America, yeah. Everything works, but in the right place, you know. Yeah. So, and he's great. I, I mean, I, I, I love training with him. Um, but it was, I didn't need to do fancy stuff. I just need to pack out his lead hand mm. and then hit him. And I've hit him anyway on, on the first thing. So, two and three is, is, is an extra, isn't it? Uh, and so you need to get first things first. So everyone's saying, oh, the 17th variation, once you pack sale, also, well, I'll try gum I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get in the mount, and then I'm gonna do that. And you go, no, it's all, it's all dreams. It's all, you know? In fact, it's not dreams, it's nightmares. So whilst it's great to have those other further variations, mm. you've got to get the first things first. 
So yeah. I want a pack sale that you can't see, you can't stop. Yeah, I want a jab that you can't see, you can't stop. Yeah. When I had a funk kit, when I came back from Japan, you couldn't stop it. Because I didn't know it was leaving. So how could you stop it? Yeah. Yeah, the first the first Japanese uh, competitor I fought when we fought England against Japan, I came out and I funk kicked him and bent him in half. And I got chewy for him landing on my fist. Yeah. Maybe I maybe you know, a little bit of a Kizami's you know, Toby Komazuki, but I just come out and went, bah! and it just bent him in half, yeah? Uh, and he was a fifth down, I think, then, yeah? Uh, and so that's what you want on everything, isn't it? So why do you want anything complex? And the same, you can see it everywhere. When you look at the real deal, say you go to Roger Gracie Academy, yeah? Yeah. Which is a great place to train. Yeah. Roger's great. Uh, his dad's marvelous. Love his dad. Yeah. Uh, Mauricio. He's fantastic. And and we're quite close, close mates. Um, if you go there, look what Roger's doing. Hardly, he's doing all, all the basic stuff, isn't he? Just killing you with basics. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's going, Oh yeah, but I want to do this. I want to do more and more complex stuff. I bet ninety percent of the people there are wanting more and more complex guard passes. And he's just going, basic guard pass killed you, killed you, yeah. And so you've got to find that tension, haven't you, between width and depth? Yeah. You know, you want a bit of width because otherwise you're 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 predictable. But how do you teach people to flow? Flow is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Or it is for me anyway. The thing, I, I want to be changing before you've even thought of it. So I can see what you're going to do and I've moved. And so you're fighting the old fight and I'm on and I'm on the new place. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What was... Um... How does that... How does that... That's brilliant. Um, just, I just want to backtrack a little bit um, because you are known as the godfather of JKD, but you're also a prominent figure in Filipino martial arts. Um, what was, what, what yeah. enamored you about the Filipino arts in particular? Because you could have gone anywhere with your JKD, but you know, people would strongly link you to Carly, uh, a screamer, and particularly as you led and captained the team. In truth, in truth, yeah. In in, in truth, I think uh, the Carly was superior to Jun Fang. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whilst I was a Bruce Lee fan, I wasn't ever a Bruce Lee like Bruce. You know, I didn't need to follow Bruce. I, I followed Dan in the Santo. And as a fighter, because the thing is, I came into Jeet Kune Do 
most of the people who came into Jeet Kune Do hadn't done much, you know? Yeah. They were interested in Bruce Lee and stuff like that. But I'd, I'd fought internationally. I'd fought, I fought in Japan, you know? I'd, I've been to Japan. I've fought the Japanese. I've fought Terry O'Neill. I've fought Tiki Donovan. I've fought lots, you know? And I had lots in gang fights as, as well growing up. So therefore, therefore I saw it was more relevant and you could use some of the stuff for instance we used to have hand kills in karate you know basic hand kills like a lot with the lead hand uh, a a pack with the lead hand coming the inside a double tap that we used to do you know uh, a beat and then something else I, I can't remember and then I remember seeing the, the Jim Fan ones and, and, and talking to it in 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 our way, it was a, a very highly regarded martial arts authority in in Japan. I mean the, the last of the ninjas really and uh, or his teacher was the the the, the last official ninja, you know. Uh, uh, Fujita Seiko, uh, and he and he said, "No, that's inferior to the stuff you're doing." And again, it was contextual. So the pack is still great, uh, but loads of the old stuff is was great as well. So I came into it with eyes open, you know, and I went, "Well, that doesn't work." Oh, that's great. So I just nicked. And, and I edited here at, 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 at the eyes. So yeah. when I trained in LA, I did all right, really, because I'd fought those before and, and lots of the stuff you look at and go, no, that's nonsense. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. I've nicked that. So I was never a purist. I was never like, you know, a complete acolyte, you know? Uh, and, and, and the Carly was great because it did sticks, knives, empty hands. It was flow, wasn't it? It was the stuff that I'd grown, grown up reading about in the Blaze books. It had no rules. You could say, oh, same. So I'm doing it with a knife, with a stick, yeah, with a gun, with empty hands. Okay. Whatever. It's the same old stuff. And and it was very jazz. It was very jazz because I grew up, uh, grew up with jazz and rock and blues, and I was into m- music. But that improvisation thing—that's what that that had way above anything else. The free play, the sombrada, was in in intriguing, and and is even now, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I I got into that, and I thought the Panatukan was more relevant to fighting than some of the Jun fan which said if he does that I'm going to do that and then that might happen and that might happen that might happen the 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 Carly Singh more real and more applicable although paradoxically or or sadly the same thing we've been talking about I've been ranting about through the whole thing is 
people out there are just going, oh yeah, you can go gunting to backfist, and they're doing the same thing to Panatukan that that they did to, to karate, to jump fan, do everything, you know, <clears throat> make it da di da di da, you know, like just like formulaic. Yeah, I'm going to do this, this against a passive opponent. Yeah, and. Uh, it shouldn't have that. It, sh it shouldn't be against a passive opponent. You want, mm. you want an active opponent. So, uh, and that's why jujitsu is great because it, it's against someone who's trying to, you know, you might drill it against a passive opponent, but then you fight it against opposition, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, uh, so the 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 Panatukan, I don't see lots of people out there using it as an art they 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 do the drills and then they do tie boxing when they spar yeah so therefore why why even practice it if you're not going to utilize the foot trap if you're not going to utilize the 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 half beat if you're not going to utilize the, the, the you know the pick up here and the, the two on one and the, the head if you're not going to use it then why the hell practice it it's almost like you're practicing this but you're doing that yeah and those are talk about it but not much doing it so when i founded 4d i went i'm gonna honor down in the santa filipino martial arts because i'm gonna develop something where you can use panatukan all the time yeah, and it's better than everything else. Yeah, uh, and I th think it is hand skills wise. I think all we've done is we've not gone further. We've gone back and said let's get the roots down mm. and be able to improvise around the roots all the time. And then there's so much there. You don't need to go any further. If I say I outside parry, I've got a single tool. one on your arm i've got a thumb in the eye i've got a half beat chop i've got like a, a wuss lick where i'll where I scoop you out and, and your head comes to the 12 yeah i've got a roll under the two on one on top for the arm bar back here for the wrist and they're all in one place yeah and i go and all i've done is that put put my hand here and i've gone one and i go so there's 17 things here so I don't need to go any further. And then if you go back, I'll just spearhand you in the yeah, in the throat. So you go, oh, you didn't get my eye. I go, no, but you're, you're on the, the BUG, yeah? I think what's great about Jeet Kune Do is the principles, the way of thinking. Yeah. That's, that's Jeet Kune Do's fabulous, you know, for that. But uh, do you need to know all the different dummy sets. I see people doing the dummy sets. I think uh, Chris Kemp put up a great thing the other day. Because uh, he said, well, you learn all the dummy sets and you you, you you can't apply any of them. So why don't we just do, I think he was maybe doing Paxel or something like that. And he went, well, I'll just do this side and this side. 
and and execute it and, and make that and put that into t- to my game straight away. So now you've got something, you know, you know, like if you've learned some riff, some blues riff, yeah, you think, yeah, I'm a dude, I know that. But if you just know the the lick, but you're not putting the lick into a tune, it's it's just nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not changing that lick, and you change it a bit, don't you? You you change the time in between it. You might me stretch that. You know that um, conical um, Indian uh, rhythm thing. They got one called da di ginadum da. Yeah. So you know the ta ta taka 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 dimi taka juna taka dimi ta. All for you know over there. So you got a beat and then you div- div- divide the beat up in. Loads of ways. Taka, 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 ta, takita, 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 like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one called Daddy Ginadum Da, yeah. But you can make it Daddy Ginadum Da, Daddy Ginadum Da, or you can make Daddy Ginadum Da, yeah. And, and so it's the same thing with that. You you need to change the rhythms of it up, yeah. So just owning the lick doesn't mean anything. If you're not applying, as Bruce says, uh, Bruce is very good on all that f- philosophy, which most of it he culled from other books, you know. It wasn't from his, he just, but he was a great man, I think, in terms of bringing it all together and applying it in a martial arts sense, you know. Yeah. He said, yeah. knowledge alone is not enough, you must apply. And yeah. also, I think you've got to be you, haven't you? You've got to be you. You're you're Ben Richardson. So you want to be you. You don't want to be a pastiche of somebody else. And why do you want to copy anyone? It's like copying it's like copying the, the Kardashians, isn't it? It's madness. Why don't you be you? you know? And it's quite hard to be now because we live in an age of where people just go, well, they say this is what I've got to do. So I'll inject stuff into my lips, but I won't have a vaccine because that could be poisoning me. And you go, (laughs) yeah, okay. Yeah. But I don't Botox in my forehead. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's a strange time. So, but my thing is about how do we develop you and then how do you pass on the art? So it's worthy of the next generation because there's genius there and it needs to be passed on. And if you just do, as you said, you do myriad, myriad techniques which have no functional use, then that dies. It doesn't dies. Yeah. So I don't I don't want that to happen. I want to pass on real martial arts to the next generation and i want to pass it on the next generation so which is, means you you that you them pass it on yeah yeah so so we keep going otherwise human beings do, do the same the same up and down don't we we go oh he came he, he got really genius level and then he died uh, and we started started again. Yeah, yeah. And you go, no, 
you've got to stand on stand on giants otherwise we don't make any progress then we go but he invented the wheel but then we uninvented it and we started again you know you go no it's madness yeah only in martial arts do we do that i think you know in engineering that wouldn't happen would it yeah fantastic so uh guru just before we go where can people find out about 4d if there are interested after listening to the podcast if they go to my 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 website is for uh no my website is bobbreen.com yeah bobbreen.com yeah and if they want to bobbreen.com and if they want to check out my online products i've got like a a members club which is a rolling instructional plus a big huge amount of technique uh, stuff, how to train things, uh, and then lots of books. That's all available at 4dcombat.thinkific.com. Awesome. We'll put we'll put the but link. If you go to the Bob Green site, yeah. But if you if you do if you go to the bobbreen.com, there's a link there that will take you through. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully once the pandemic's eased up, I'll be out teaching a bit and and more importantly, my instructors will be out now. Like the new group of, of brilliant instructors will be out teaching the art. Great. Because I want to teach them so they can teach yeah. others, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned... Uh, I hope I'm not bored you because I do tend to talk a lot. Oh, that's been fantastic. Did, did you mentioned your autobiography. Is that written? Are you writing it, or what's the crack with that? With your autobiography, I'm in the process. I, I'm in the, the yeah. I'm in the, the process of that. I'm trying to do it. So it's stories. So it's not yeah. like you know, July the third, I did this. It, it isn't like that. You know, it's like um, it's it's like moments when things happened. You know, when this happened. And I've had a really interesting life, you know. I came from a great family, but I could have gone loads of bad ways. And martial arts saved my life, really. Saved my life and gave me an amazing life in that I've got friends who are billionaires, uh, some of the richest people in the world and I've got friends who are plumbers uh, I've got friends who are out of, out of a job so but I met really interesting people you know uh, and uh, yeah it's been it's been f- fabulous I mean really a life well well lived maybe you know um, who's to say but yeah I, it's, it's opened doors everywhere and it's weird if you wanted to be, if you wanted to get access to certain levels, you know, of society, mm. um, it's very hard, isn't it, to to go up the levels. But being a martial arts expert, you you transcend every level. So. I've got friends of at every level, you know, in arts, in music, 
music I get introduced as an equal to the top jazz players in the world, you know? Uh, and I think, well, why is that? And it's because you walk the walk, haven't you? Yeah. And you've done something which they know is hard to do, you know? Um, and I'm fighting in a weird way is the ultimate challenge, isn't it? Because it's about fear, preservation. So to put yourself out there and to challenge yourself, you've got to learn a lot about you. Um, well, I hope so. I hope, hope that's it. I mean, maybe I'm talking nonsense, but um, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I, I, I've got great people. I only, only hang around with lovely people. I don't hang around with anyone who's nasty. Um, haven't ever done and I'm quite pedantic about you need to what is you've been saying on your blogs create your own reality that's that's the things you think the people you hang around with the people that you live with and your actions you know and uh, I think if you can do that you can you can create a wonderful life you know yeah Absolutely. That's great, Guru. Thanks so much for uh, being on the cast today. It's been a real honor. Pleasure. Love listening to your stories. They're just fantastic. I know you've got about this four. This is all mine. Um, yeah, so thank you. And uh, Well, that's why right. I... I, I in... <laughs> There's a bit of a delay, so you get this at Christmas. <laughs> well, we'd love to have you on again. Next uh, Christmas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Please do. That'd be great. Yeah. I can tell you other stories. All right. Thank you. Guru. All right. Take care, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Bye bye.